0: First off, kids' church is awesome. So last week, their messages mirror what we go through, which has been really hard if you've read chapter 5 of Galatians. The first 14 verses deal a lot with circumcision. And so we've struggled with how to teach that to children because they're children. And many of you parents maybe aren't ready to teach your children about circumcision and what that means. So... That being aside, we haven't avoided it. We've just been very tactful and, and, and tried to be very full of grace. So last week we dealt with uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And what Christ in context has set us free from is religion. Religion, if you want to go – this is my uh, Frankenstein interpretation. Religion, bad. Okay, Just like fire, religion, bad. So last week, Kristen and Justin taught the kids, uh, to avoid religion, we should keep our prayer with Christ fresh. Now, that doesn't mean you bring something new every time, but you – instead of falling into a scripted or rote prayer, you you come to Jesus as you would a friend. You come to Jesus as you would uh, 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 your parents. You come to Jesus and talk to them the same way you would talk to uh, your mom and dad, right? Every day this week, A, my kids fought to see who would pray first, which I'm already like, awesome, Justin and Kristen need to raise. Uh, number two, they always had something new to say, whether it was praying for a friend, praying for Pastor Saeed, identifying and thanking God for the food that they were eating. Thank you for the fluff and nutter, you know, things like that. We didn't have fluff and nutters, but it was like that. Thank you for the Doritos. Thank you for the apples and thank you for – Uh, You know, thank you for specifically what I'm eating. Prayed for those who didn't have food. I want to encourage you to pray for Kristen and Justin as they teach our kids because they are teaching our children about Jesus, how to talk to Jesus, how to live for Jesus. They're not just going back there throwing on a VeggieTales DVD and hoping everything turns out okay, praying for the end of service. They're back there working. So please pray for them. Speaking of prayer, tomorrow, as as you know, things are going crazy in Iraq. Things are going crazy in Ferguson, Missouri. Things are going crazy all over the planet. So I think it's important as people of prayer that we should gather together for prayer. So tomorrow we are going to have two times of prayer. Now, I, I praise God. I get to work from home, so I make my own hours, which is really awesome. But a lot of you don't get to do that unless you own a business or something. So tomorrow I'm going to open the chapel at two different times. 7 to 9, for those of you who go to work after that, and from 5 to 7 for those who are going to be coming home after that chunk of time. That way you can come together, come to the chapel, we'll pray together, you can pray individually, and we can lift these things up to the Lord. Uh, The Bible's pretty big on God's house being a house of prayer, and so we should be busy praying in God's house, amen? So if you can be here tomorrow, 7 to 9 in the morning, 5 to 7 in the evening, Okay, any one of those two times you can come by. I will be here for those two hours each time to make sure nobody gets left out. Should they come by at 8:55 or something like that. So please come by if you'd like and pray with us for things like Iraq and Pastor Said and and the people we've mentioned today who are going through cancer and for Ferguson, Missouri and and for the state of our nation and for our government and for our president and for the the multitude of things we could be praying for. Amen. All right. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five and six. It's the continuation of our uh, the Return of the Gospel series. Paul had to write this letter to the Galatians because they had heard the gospel, and then the gospel had been perverted and tainted and changed. Paul plants this church, gives it over to some elders. To be the pastors of that church the church grows but as it grows false teachers come in and they begin to teach things that are contrary to the gospel trying to add to the gospel and as a result they squash the gospel so we started off this series back in chapter 1 verse 1 saying that the that the gospel plus anything means it equals nothing the gospel of jesus added to something means Nothing equals nothing. So here's what I mean. For specifically, contextually, the Galatians, they had men coming in saying, yes, the gospel of Jesus, glorious, great, perfect, except we need to help God, and we need to add into it circumcision. Okay? Because apparently God's only concerned with half the population. You need to add things like the the celebration festivals that the Jewish people celebrated throughout the year: new moon festivals, Sabbath festivals, uh, the year of Jubilee, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. All these different feasts and celebrations—you got to have those too. And slowly but surely, these 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 religious practices infiltrated—not not immediately, but a little bit here and a little bit there. I'm not here to point a finger at the Galatian church and say, wow, how how ridiculous. How could they fall for that? How could they do that? God has used the Galatian church as our example because we are the Galatian church. The Galatian church, one of their trademarks was that they were quick to latch on to any fad. They were quick to latch on to any new teaching. So they had sound Bible teaching from Paul. Somebody else comes in and says, yes, but I, I have this theory. And they might speak in, in ways that keep them from being on the hook should they be questioned. But they implied enough to allow the people to come to the conclusions that they need Jesus and circumcision and and, and festival celebrations and, and, and converging Christianity to Judaism or, or putting them together. Now, Christianity has its roots in Judaism, but Christianity is is the following of Christ, relationship and faith in him. I should say faith in him leading to a relationship. Okay, Paul comes back in chapter one says, if anybody preaches to you another gospel, it's not from God. Even if I myself come and say, well, that's what I said then. Here's what I say now. He says, no. This is the gospel message. He gives three accounts of when he went before the religious leaders of the day, the the people of the church, men like Peter, men like James, men like John, went before them, shared the gospel he was preaching. It was the same gospel they were preaching. He simply had a different audience. Paul was preaching to the Gentiles while men like Peter were preaching to the Jews. But their gospel was the same. The message was still Jesus is God sent by the Father to this earth to live a sinless life, to die for sinners, but not only to die for sinners, to live and conquer death. See, one of the the great things about baptism that we'll be celebrating today is not only did did Jesus die for sin, he now lives for those who are forgiven. Not only did did he pay the penalty for sin, he beat sin and that makes a world of difference because if he had not beaten sin we would need him to die continuously for our sins now he dies he has died for sin he now has conquered death he says that he he had the power to lay down his life and pick it back up again he now lives he is alive at the right hand of his father in heaven and because he lives now we live too in baptism we 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 symbolize our dying to sin and us conquering sin and death through resurrection. Truth be told all of us here will die physically one day. We can't avoid it. We'll spend hundreds maybe even thousands of dollars trying to prolong it, but it's inevitable. I'm okay with that. I would pray that you would be okay with that too. Certainly we want it later rather than sooner, okay? I would like for us to get baptized and have the remainder of the day at least but i'm okay with that i know that one day that this body will give out it's not built to last forever sin has ruined it the sin that i inherited from our great 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 grandparents adam and eve both by inheritance and then both by my own actions has tainted this body and so this body has been corrupted if you've ever worked with computers in your hard drive has a corrupted file that file is no longer usable okay it, it, it's it's a bad file this body will be completely transformed and changed the transformation process begins now as we confess our, confess our faith in Jesus but it culminates when when in the book of Revelation we see us all come together and it says that God is amongst his people in the midst of his people and he is our God. And we are his people, and it, and it says that the multitude that worship him are like a roaring ocean, like a sea in front of the throne of God, and it sounds like thunder when people lift up their voices. See, we, we worship in song here today as a preview as to what will happen then. And if you're not comfortable singing now, heaven's going to be a little uncomfortable for you. Does that sort of make sense? Because we're going to do a lot of singing there. Not, not like fat little cherubs on a cloud with a harp, but literally just praising God. Have you ever, and I do this from time to time when, when, when the time calls for it, usually when either my head gets too big or I think very little of myself, I imagine myself face-to-face with Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Let that just, just seep right in and, 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 and just wreck you for a moment, that you would stand in the presence of God. I know for me personally, the last thing I want to do is stare him in the eyes. The last thing I want to do, or the first thing I want to do, is look away. Because I know that he is perfect and I am not. The good news is that when we read in the Bible, when we do meet Jesus, we're not going to meet a God who's ready to just strike us down and ask us why we did all the foolish things we did. He knows why we did it. But for those who profess their faith in Jesus, they find forgiveness. That they are now in Christ. It's sort of a mega theme of the New Testament, being in Christ. Christ. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. Romans 8 and 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Meaning for those who are outside of Christ, there certainly is condemnation. There is judgment hanging over your head. Just, righteous judgment. Romans something or other says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, we've all sinned Every one of us need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. So you go back to Galatians. This is the foundation upon which Paul has built, or excuse me, the church has been built that Paul laid through Jesus. But now a bad, shoddy building has been built on top of it. And so Paul's got to go in and scrape it all away. They spent four chapters questioning, pleading, begging, showing, explaining why their gospel was wrong and why the pure gospel is just that and can't be changed or added to. If you feel, just as a side note, if you feel that you have to help God, you're serving the wrong God. If God needs your help, then you're serving a lesser God. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned about preaching was that the words I'm about to say, God is not reliant upon. I could come up here and bomb and crickets chirping and and all sorts of things. It's the Holy Spirit at work that conveys the message to you. Now, now it's all about me dedicating myself, as Paul told Timothy, to the public declaration of God's word to exhortation and, and to teaching and to preaching. All I've got to do is just say the gospel. i just got to preach the gospel, and God does all the rest. And he lets me do that. In the same way that I let my son wash dishes with me. Anybody here ever have like a five- or six-year-old wash dishes with you? How many of them do it correctly? Now, my son's awesome. I'm not saying anything against my son. But, you know, you get the dish in the dish drainer. There's still soap all over it. Okay, so you take it and you, but he wants to be a part of the process. All right, then get up on your stool and here's the dish. And okay, you missed the soap. Let me rinse it again. Here you go. Okay, well, you put the cup upside down. Nothing's going to dry. You got to turn, you know, the other way. Okay. God gets, God lets us do stuff like that. Like little kids who want to help with the dishes. Like little kids who want to help dad in the garage or with the car. Like little kids who want to help mom grocery shop or do whatever. They don't do any of the hard work, but we let them be a part of what we're doing. That's relationship. That is, that is community or communion with one another, and it's the same with God, only amplified by like a million. So go back to the Galatian church, chapter 5, verse 1. says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Not only has God saved us, he has set us free from the uh, the, the chains of sin satan and death but he's also freed us from religion all of us our primary default position is religion you go to adam and eve they they sin what do they do they try to cover their sin they try to take fig leaves cover themselves cover their sin It takes God coming in to actually cover up their sin, to make sacrifice for their sin, foreshadowing Jesus thousands of years later. Verse 2 says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law you are severed from christ you who would be justified by the law you have fallen away from grace for through the spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth this persuasion is not from him who calls you a little leaven leavens the whole lump I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Super awesome verse number 12. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another we're going to kick off this Well, I don't want to say the sermon because I've been preaching for like 10 minutes already But we're going to kick off this message with one word the word look found in verse 2 Paul says look I remember being a kid and I'd, and I'd want my parents' attention. And really what I wanted them to do was hear me. And, and, and they wouldn't be looking at me. They'd be somewhere else doing something, driving something. And I would say, look, pay attention to me. You know what I found out? It wasn't just me. My kids do the same thing. I drive. You know what I hear from the back seat all day long? Daddy, look. I can't, honey. There are other cars on the road and people, and I don't want to kill them. But, Daddy, look at what I'm doing. They want my attention. So if you ever see me swerving, I'm probably looking. Look. There are times where maybe I've got my phone out or I've got the laptop out or I'm doing some work or, or I'm just, you know, wasting time. And uh, my daughter will come up and say, Daddy. And I'm like this, yeah, hon, what's up? And she'll grab my face. And I have this beard, which makes really good handles. Daddy, look at me. Yes, dear. Can I have a snack? Because when you're a kid, that's priority. Attention. Paul is saying, look. Give attention to. Consider these things. Fix your eyes upon what we're about to talk about. Church, right off the bat, Christianity, the following of Jesus Christ, the 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 professing faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior does not happen by coincidence. It does not happen through osmosis. It does not happen simply because you're in the presence of other Christians. It's not contagious. It happens because you, at some point, God gets your attention and you hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If you have heard it and you've ignored it, I would plead with you today, hear the message. I repeat what Paula says, look at the gospel, hear the message being preached to you and give your life to Jesus today. Give yourself to him as he offers you grace, repent of your sins. See, we get it backwards in our religious mind. I must repent of my sin to receive the grace of God. No, we receive the grace of God so that we might repent. See, without the grace of God, we won't repent. Because we don't see anything wrong with what we're doing. That's why we're doing it. And then we feel guilty. And to alleviate our guilt, we do something religious. Or we give. Or we do something nice, and we hope that, you know, I open the door for that lady. I, you know, there goes my pornography habit. I've I'm, I'm just equaled the scales. You know, I, there, was, there was that September thing, and I gave a few dollars. So so now I don't have to worry about being an adulterer or an alcoholic or neglect of, neglectful of my family or or that I or I'm on autopilot whenever I'm around my family. Look at the message. Hear what Paul says. Paul says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Today's message, the Christ. What does that mean? I thought to myself, and I meant to ask my son and my daughter during the week, but I forgot. I wonder if they think that Christ is his last name. My name's Tony Paredes. This is Jesus Christ. Christ is His last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is Jesus' uh, title, position, authority. Christ means anointed one of God." In the Hebrew, it's, Christ is, is sort of a, a Greek transliteration, sorry a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word Messiah. And he was one who throughout the Old Testament was prophesied that he would come to make things right. The the Israelites in the time of Jesus, the time of the writing of the Gospels, they were eagerly anticipating this Messiah, this anointed one sent by God. They had hoped for one who would come politically and come in war and, and turn over the Roman authority or the Roman government. For they saw that as their primary slavery. Instead, Jesus comes low as a human and dies for the shackles that that bind all men and all women, sin. You see, where the Jews saw themselves as enslaved by the Romans, they didn't realize that there was a greater slave master known as sin. And Jesus came to free them from that. Now, Jesus will return again. Praise God, the New Testament and even the Old Testament filled with promises of of his return. And we anxiously await that day. I don't know about you, but as I saw things unfolding in Ferguson, Missouri, it was one of the first times I've ever said the phrase, come Lord quickly. As As I've seen things happening in Iraq and watching, seeing pictures of children held at gunpoint, simply because they belong to a mother and father who profess faith in Jesus. First time I ever said, Lord, come quickly. This is too much. This is too big. What I'm learning is the same things we're seeing now, they were seen a generation ago. And they were seen a generation before that. And they were seen a generation before that. And what we're seeing on public display in in ways that, that the rest of time could only... Couldn't even imagine. We are seeing daily. We're getting updates in our in our phone, in our pocket, of what's happening all around the world, and we realize, my gosh, this world is is not where we're meant to be. This world is wrong. This world is broken, and we need Jesus. Paul says, "If you accept circumcision, I'm not going to change that word." But what Paul is basically saying is if you accept religious practices instead of Christ, or rather in lieu of your Christ, Christ is of no advantage to you. Here's the truth. Every one of you here today, whether Christian or not, you have a Christ. You have one who you call upon to save you. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something bad. Maybe it's something good. But even a good thing put in a God place becomes a bad thing. And so the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, he is the one who has come to save you. But as humans, every one of us, we all have a Christ. We all have a Savior. We all have one that we look to. But is it Jesus? Maybe your Savior is activism. See, here's one thing I don't want you to get misconstrued here. When, when, when we, we, when we rally for things like pediatric cancer or for the troops or or whatever we do here, at this place. I don't do those things because I have to, and I don't do those things because I think they make me right with God. I do those things because I get to do those things. I want to help other people because God has helped me so greatly. Does that, does that sort of make, make sense? That that he's already done so much for me. There's nothing I could do to ever repay him. So instead of repay him, I'll just work for him. Does that make sense? I'll just do as much as I can to help whoever I can because I have been helped so greatly. It's not part of my identity. It's not part of, of, of how I find satisfaction in life. My satisfaction is found first in Jesus. And then I get to do this stuff. Religious practices, there are things we're going to do like baptism. We take things like the Lord's Supper. We take communion. We pray together. We do these things, but these things in and of of themselves, they don't negate our relationship with Jesus. Without a relationship with Christ first, without Jesus being your Christ, these other things don't matter. If you come today and you get baptized, but you don't believe in Jesus, we've done nothing except get wet. And it's much too cold to just do that. If I'm getting in that pool with you, and I will be going first, as a pastor, that's what pastors do. I'm assuming Jesus will be in there too, because he's the chief shepherd. But I expect you to come in because you want to give your life to Jesus and profess your faith in him. And profess to the church that Jesus is my Christ. But first, you have to identify what or who is your Christ. We are, as a nation, I'll talk really general terms here. As a nation, we know about Jesus. We know that he exists. We know there's a faith and a relationship, and we know the cliches, and we, and we know where the Bible bookstores are. And we all have those friends and family who know about Jesus, and, and we avoid them and, and all that. But here's the thing. I want to challenge you today. Don't look at them. Don't look at other examples. Don't look at other people. Look at your own life. I challenge you. Who is your Christ? Here's the the, the quickest way to identify this. Where do you run when things get hard? When they're talking about downsizing at work, who do you call first? When the doctor says, we don't know what this is, but it might be serious. Who do you call first? Where do you go first? Do you go to a bottle? It's your Christ. Do you go to work and work hours and hours on end, just hoping to avoid the the reality that might be there? It's your Christ. Do you create this bubble around your life, this this false sense of security so that, that nothing can penetrate it, so you can never really hurt? That's your Christ. That's your Savior. Here's the bad news. Those are bad saviors. Is work a bad thing? No. Work's a good thing. It's a good way to earn a living. It's a good way to stay healthy and strong and live. Meet other people. Working's a good thing. But when a work when work becomes a God thing, then it's bad. Maybe it's something bad like alcoholism. Maybe it's something bad like pornography. Maybe it's maybe it's some type of sexual. Anything outside of the marriage bed, maybe it's maybe it's just it's something like that. Maybe it's something cliche like that. Maybe it's it's something like like being nice or being moral, giving and starting organizations and blah blah blah. When those things become your Christ, you have set yourself underneath a very insufficient Savior. You might be go- doing a good thing and people might be blessed by you, but your Christ is faulty and will fail you. So today the challenge that is issued in in verse 2, Paul says that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you because your religion has become your Christ, because your sin has become your Christ, because something else has become your Christ. What is your Christ? Who is your Christ? If it's not Jesus, today I'm here to plead with you, to ask you, to forsake all other Christs, to forsake all other false saviors and grasp onto Jesus, the Christ, the Christ. There's a story, I believe it's in Mark chapter 4 or 5, maybe later. If you're new here, one of the first things you learn is that Pastor Tony, not the greatest of Bible memorization, okay? I have a lot of grace for people when they're trying to memorize stuff. I'm like, yeah, let's show me how you get that done. But let's just keep it real. I want to be at least as precise as I can. It's in the book of Mark. Okay. There's a lady, okay? She has the Bible says she has this issue with blood. She's bleeding and she's bleeding without healing. It's possible she has something like a leukemia or a blood disorder. We don't know. We just know that she has this issue, and she has it for 12 years. Some of us have suffered through things for like a couple of weeks, maybe a few months, maybe just a couple of years. Twelve years this woman has woken up every day still bleeding. First few years, hopeful it's going to turn around, but somewhere along the line you just become accustomed to the fact that you're bleeding all of the time. If you've ever suffered from things like low iron, you've been anemic, you understand that once your your blood has been depleted in that way, you lose a lot of energy, you're very fatigued, bruise easily, not a real not a real good not real good body health, bodily health. She has this issue for 12 years. It says that she spends spends every penny she has on doctors and she ends up worse you ever have that happen you get sick you go to the doctor they give you something you get worse i had that happen once it was the worst at this point because she's jewish she is bleeding she is unclean that means friends and family can't associate with her because then they would be unclean we're talking about outcast of the outcast the broken of the broken this woman is for 12 years and then one day she sees jesus and she thinks to herself if i can just touch the hem of his garment there's crowds everywhere i don't i haven't heard anybody ever reasonably explain to me how this woman with this blood disorder weak and fatigued and easily bruised how she made it through that crowd but she did i don't know how she wasn't crushed other than divine providence i don't know how she did it but she gets to him and she's healed Church, for this woman, this was her Christ. This was her only Savior. Her medical Savior had failed her. Her financial Savior had failed failed her. Her health Savior had failed her. Her familial Savior had failed her. Many times the grace of God just allows us to see that our phony saviors are just that. Like this woman with the issue of blood found in the Gospel of Mark. I plead with you that you would make Christ your Savior, Christ your Christ. Let's stand. So this is where I invite you. And we're not going to do what we would traditionally call an altar call. We're not going to make anybody come up to the altar. You can if you'd like. Um, It's kind of redundant, or not redundant, kind of hypocritical to preach that you can't be saved by religious practices. Now let's have something religious. Does not make any sense? You can, you can do this in your pew. You can do this at the altar. Both are the same. Okay? But I invite you now, through the grace of God, found in Jesus Christ, to forsake all other Christs and accept Jesus as your Christ. If you're struggling with this message, I pray that in this moment you'd ask God for clarity. God has this really good habit of giving wisdom to those who ask for it when they want it. So let's pray together. Jesus, the message is clear from your servant Paul through the the working of your Holy Spirit that, that if we accept things like circumcision, that Christ has no benefit to us. Because religion has become our Christ. Father, whatever, whatever Christ exists in our life, whatever, whatever Messiah we have clung to, Lord, I pray today would be the day that we forsake all other Messiahs and we'd accept Jesus as our sole Savior. That as hard times come, we would flee to you. That as the, the doctor tells us, hey, we don't know what it is, that we would come to you that when the bank says, hey, you have no money, that we'd come to you. That when our spouses say, I don't know what we're going to do, then we would come to you. That we'd bypass all other false saviors, come straight to you and worship you and plead with you and cry to you and rejoice in you and recognize you as our Christ our Savior, our anointed one, our Messiah, our King. For those, Lord, today that maybe, maybe there's, they've definitely gotten up, but they haven't, they haven't come straight to you yet. I'm praying for wisdom for them. If, there, if there's something lacking, if, if something I've said or, or not said, Lord, is being a hindrance to them, I pray that you would bring clarity to them. I pray that we, each one of us would find forgiveness through repentance. We repent of religion. We repent, Lord, of other Christ's and lift up your son. Your word says that he must be high and lifted up, that all men may be drawn into him. May we lift him up in our lives daily. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.